Just because we have a vaccine in 11 months doesn't mean that the research only took 11 months, the procedures were sidetracked or that there were shortcuts. I think we've been assured over and over again that that's not the case. Welcome to The Dismantle, creating community, not converts. Welcome to Dismantle Podcast, a place for community, not converts. I'm your host, Joey. On this show, we attempt to dismantle an issue that poses as problematic for the Christian church by having a discussion with a guest who has insight or experience with that subject. Now, we're not always going to agree, and that's okay, but we're not going to argue because our goal is to build bridges and not barriers. Our guest today is Shireen Gerges. Shireen is the Director of Common Thread, Social and Behavior Change for Public Health. Shireen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joey. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad we got to connect and I'm excited for our conversation. Uh, Before we dive into it, can you give our listeners a little bit about yourself and a a little bit about the work that you do? Sure. I am the Director of a Social and Behavior Change Company for Public Health called Common Thread. We're at gocommonthread.com. I've basically been working in public health for about 20 years now. Uh, I've worked for the United Nations. In particular, I've worked for UNICEF, which is the United Nations Children's Fund, um, for over 15 years, working in public health programs like um, the polio eradication program. I've worked in uh, West Africa to support the elimination of Ebola in 2016. I've worked in the Maldives after the tsunami. Uh, So I've worked in many, many different countries uh, all around the world, basically promoting and supporting public health. And uh, I do that through um, behavior change or social and behavior change, which basically means helping people to uh, make good decisions that improve their lives and the lives of their community and their family. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing that with us. Which is a great, which is a great segue to some of the topic that we're discussing today, which is the ever easy, the always simple topic of vaccines or vaccinations. Uh, Shireen, before we dive into that, can you, for the sake of our conversation, can you define what a vaccine is so that we're all on the same page and, and maybe even dive into what a vaccine is not? Sure. Uh, So I could give you a medical definition of what a vaccine is and what it isn't. But I think I think it's more helpful, actually, to talk about how vaccines work and what they do. And a really good way to think about vaccines is that they're preparation for your body. So they prepare your body for an infection in the same way that, um, you know, a test game might prepare a football team against uh, their strongest competitor. So what vaccines do is they help your body prepare for a disease that's coming in to infect you and they get you ready for the real thing, much like a practice game might get you ready uh, for a Super Bowl or for a really important game. And vaccines help build your immune system by imitating an infection. So in other words, they act like an infection without making you sick. It just triggers your body's natural immune system to work to protect you against that disease. So we have uh, our, our bodies are sort of equipped with this natural defense mechanism against diseases, but they don't really know how to sort of come into force until they meet an infection. And what a vaccine does is it pretends that it's an infection so that when your body meets the real thing, it knows what to do. Uh, so you also asked me what a vaccine is not. Um, that's a little bit of a hard question to answer. I don't know if I'm going to answer this 
properly. But uh, so what it's not is a, a vaccine is not medicine that you can take after you've been infected. It doesn't work that way. It only works preventatively. So it can only anticipate a disease and then respond um, respond preventatively. So I think that's a really important uh, thing to note. Um, and one way to think about that is imagine that you need to cross a lake and it's full of crocodiles. And there's a bridge in the distance that you see, and that bridge can help you cross that lake full of crocodiles. And it looks really sturdy, and it's helped thousands of people before you safely make it across the pass. Like you can see people um, crossing that bridge. Now, not getting vaccinated is like trying to swim through that lake instead of take the bridge just in case on the very unlikely chance that that bridge might collapse right when you cross it. So not getting vaccinated would be like trying to swim through the crocodiles instead of taking that bridge that's going to take you safely across. And I think we could sit with that because I think so many people don't know what that is and have never heard that explained so clearly. But that, that, is, that is so beneficial, especially for the sake of this conversation. Now, obviously, some of this is a little bit more poignant with our ongoing fight against the COVID-19 pandemic. But there is a mistrust of medicine that's been going on for a long time. And, and for some people, that's a well-founded mistrust. A lot of, a lot of reason for that uh, is, is founded. But can you speak to some of the fears surrounding vaccines? You know, why do they exist? Things like HIV and autism and cancer, whether or not there is proof for the connection, can you speak to some of that? Sure. That's a really good question. And that's top of mind uh, for people, certainly in the context of COVID-19. Um, but it's important to remember that there has been mistrust of science and medicine and vaccines for a really long time. This isn't something new. Um, but there is indeed a lot of mistrust going on right now. There's mistrust of politicians and, and government and science and medicine. And Perhaps it feels like it's been exacerbated now because social media allows those beliefs and those perceptions to spread so fast and they're so accessible to us now. Um, but I think there has always been this sentiment um, in certain communities or in certain countries or contexts. So it's not new. I think it's important to remember that. Um, but particularly in the context of COVID 19, I think. You know, a lot of people are wary of vaccines, even more so in this context. Um, they may feel like people that are responsible for manufacturing or administering vaccines are, they're not trustworthy. They may feel like, you know, pharmaceutical companies are out to make money. Um, and that's, that's a really common perception. And it's, it's not sort of unique to the United States, for example, or it's not unique to COVID-19. What we often see is that people who have been wronged or um, mistreated by government or by other actors generally have this sort of uh, starting point of distrust and they sort of see science or medicine as part of that system that might not have their best interests in mind. So, um, for example, you know, uh, there's a lot of a lot of data right now about vaccinations in African-American communities, vaccinations in 
immigrant communities. Uh, I live in Romania at the moment. There's a lot of talk about vaccination in sort of ethnic minority populations, which are the Roma population here, which are under vaccinated. And generally, you can tie the sentiment to people who feel like, well, you know, the government's never been out for my best interest before. Why, why do they care if I have the best health care? Why do they care if I have the best um, vaccines? So that's just one part of your question. I know you're asking about something a lot more specific around sort of rumors linking vaccines to autism or cancer. And, and you know, the autism debate is, is a very old one. Uh, it's about 25 years old now. Uh, it's been discredited so many times. There has been retractions from uh, The Lancet, which is the publication that originally published that story linking vaccines to autism. Um, in many ways, you know, you could say, well, the damage is done. The, the story has stuck and it's really hard to undo that. But, um, but it has been disproven so many times. It has been um, you know, verified that vaccines are safe, they're effective. Uh, there is no link at all between vaccines and autism, vaccines and cancer or vaccine and anything else. Now, you mentioned that you had worked with UNICEF around the globe previously, and, and, and this is a question I've really been interested in the answer for. Does having the world experience that you've had with medical change does that change your opinion and your perspective on it? Me meaning that, you know, because most of us have only stayed in the United States and worked within a medical field within the United States, that's a narrow perspective. And that's not a, that's not a negative connotation. That's just a fact. You know, you only have the limit of your experience. Because you've been around the world, has that opened your, your opinion and your perspective to the power and the effect of vaccines? Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, just just by virtue of traveling to so many different countries and meeting so many different people, I mean, of course, you're just naturally exposed to different religions and, and cultures and perspectives and thought processes. So that's, you know, that's such an enriching experience that makes you um, so much more aware that the experiences that you've grown up with or the people that you've had in your life are not necessarily the only thing <laughs> that exists in the world. And there's not only one way to do things. Um, so that's been, you know, such a, such a valuable asset that I've had in my life. Um, but it's also really helped me understand so many different reasons why people choose either to vaccinate their children or not to vaccinate their children. And there's so many different reasons for it that, you know, we may not think about or that scientists may not think about so that when there is uh, a person or a society or even a community that says that they don't want to vaccinate, it's really hard for a scientist to say, to understand that, or it's really hard for a policymaker to understand why somebody wouldn't want to take this tool that is so clearly beneficial to them and use it. It's really hard for, for people to understand that. But I think my experiences and of course what I do for a living has helped me understand the other side. You know, it's helped me understand why people may choose not to do that. For example, um, you know, a lot of people that I've met, especially people who are struggling to get by with daily life, you know, people who may be 
don't have a lot of money, who may be in a conflict-affected uh, area, or who may have just lost their job or lost, lost a loved one, you know, people like that, they're just struggling to get by with daily life. And so even the concept of preventative medicine, so, so a, a context where nothing's wrong with you, nothing's wrong with your children, nobody's sick, and you're going to do something extra, you know, to take them to a doctor, um, you know, for a lot of people, that's, that's, that's crazy. You know, it's like, if, if it's not broke, why fix it? Why would I, why would I travel for an hour or two hours to go and see a doctor if nobody's sick? So even just this concept of preventative medicine can, and for some people be, be really foreign. Um, other, other contexts where, you know, if people live in really small or tight knit communities and they may have grown up with someone in their community, like maybe an elderly person or a religious leader or someone else who has a lot of influence, you know, that person might have more influence than a doctor that they don't even know or a doctor that they might have to travel long distances to see. And so they're going to listen to that person that they've known for years more than someone they've just met, you know, in a 30 minute interaction who's telling them to take a vaccine uh, and somebody who doesn't know their family or who doesn't, they perceive, you know, doesn't really care about them. So there's so many different reasons and my travels and my experiences and my work have helped me really empathize with um, the different reasons people decide to do things that might seem irrational or might seem illogical to, to other people. Yeah, that really adds some clarity on a, on a, a pretty muddy topic, if if we're honest, uh, Shireen. To get a little bit more specific, just to our time, one hope and trust that people cling to with vaccines is their age, how long they've been around. Uh, in your professional opinion, something like the COVID vaccine is that to be trusted at this point? You know, just just based on the age, nothing else involved. Uh, you know, just just the age of this vaccine and how quickly we've been able to turn it around, which in my opinion is amazing um you know based on what you were just saying with people's distrust does the age play into whether or not to to get that vaccine yeah that's a great question i mean obviously it it is something that people worry about it's a completely understandable concern but i think it's really important to re to understand a couple of different things first of all there are so much research, years and years and years of research that's gone into these vaccines um, before COVID existed. You know, so the, the mRNA technology, that technology that's being used um, in, in at least one of the vaccines is, is not something that was just dreamt up, you know, 11 months ago. Um, scientists have been working on those kinds of vaccines for many, many years. So, and it's only because of that investment that we, you know, they've been able to turn around a vaccine for COVID so quickly. So, you know, research for disease prevention is is a constantly ongoing endeavor. Um, it, it doesn't sort of start the moment we hear about a disease, and it's so important to continue investing in that research because that's the kind of research that allows us to respond quickly. So I think that's a really important clarification that just because we have a vaccine in 11 months doesn't mean that, you know, the research only took 11 months or the procedures were sidetracked or that there were shortcuts. Um, you know, I think we've been assured over and over again that that's not the case. 
Uh, and then the second point I want to make is that it could be misleading to think that a vaccine is better just on its age alone. So I mentioned earlier that, you know, I've worked for a really long time um, on polio eradication. And polio eradication is one of our oldest vaccines. It's been around since the 50s. And it's been used all over the world to essentially eliminate polio. Polio exists now in just two, two countries left in the world. But there is a new vaccine that's coming out for polio based on new technology that's been proven to be more beneficial, more superior than the old vaccine. So I, I would say just because a vaccine is old doesn't mean that it's better or that it's best. You know, people change, our environments change, the way diseases mutate changes. Um, so I would say age is, is not the only metric by which to evaluate a vaccine. Yeah, that's powerful. Now, Shireen, you had mentioned that different elements go into decision-making based on vaccines, and some of that is environmental, some of that is tradition, some of that is cultural. Um, but another factor that does play in is religion. It's rare that religion prohibits vaccines, and I say that with a narrow understanding based on my experience in the United States. Uh, but there is a large wave of American evangelicals and their resistance to specifically the COVID vaccine, but also vaccines in general. Um, do you think that it's beneficial to take medical issues and process them through the lens of our faith, whatever that happens to be? Are those two compatible or do they need to be separate? That's a great question. It's all a really difficult question. I think... Um, you know, again, we may not see a natural link between religion and science. I think religion is traditionally meant to govern the spiritual domain of our lives, and science may be meant to govern medicine, technology, innovation, you know, other domains of our lives. And I think in a really neat world, you'd, you'd keep those two things separate, um, that they each have their own role to play. But of course, people are messy. Um, communities are messy, life is messy, um, and there's blurry lines between science and religion, you know, whether, whether they should be there or not, or whether we want them to be there or not. Um, it's, it's just the reality. Religion plays a role in vaccination in so many different countries and so many different ways, both positively and negatively. Um, and I think a really good way to explain that is that religion governs so many parts of our lives. You know, it guides our values, it, gui it guides our relationships, it guides family life. And that's when religion and science overlap. I think, you know, it influences what we do. It influences our decisions in so many ways. Um, so from my experience working in public health, the link between medical issues and faith is sort of uncomfortable, I think, for people working in public health. I think they, they often wish that... Um, it, it wasn't there, but it is, it is there, and it's absolutely essential because religion and religious leaders play such an important and influential role in, in, in people's lives. So it's really important that they're on board with decisions uh, that can help their community and that, they can, that can help their people stay healthy. And, I mean, in the case of COVID, you know, it's, 
I think religious leaders and evangelical Christians, uh, you know, have a real opportunity, have a real responsibility to make sure that the people that follow that teaching or that follow that belief that they stay alive. <laughs> so uh, I don't think the two are incompatible. I think that, you know, one is often dependent on the other. Um, and it's a really important role, I think, that that faith can play. Yeah, for sure. And Shireen, I've really enjoyed our conversation, but as we wrap up our time, I think many people would cringe if they walked into a church and from the pulpit they heard the pastor or the preacher, whoever, preaching about medical responsibility. They would probably shy away pretty quickly. Um, And the church is diverse, and it's filled with many views on many things. This isn't new. But, you know, how does the church move forward with this issue? What's one thing that you would recommend that we do better so that we can handle this uh, this not going away issue uh, together? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I mean, I would encourage the church to think about the ideals and values that the church believes in. And, and, and you know, being a little bit more removed from the the church, but I do know I grew up Christian. Um, and I know that whenever I went to church, the church encourages things like responsibility and caring for your neighbors and caring for your family and taking care of your body and, and, and being healthy. You know, those are all pillars and tenets of religion. And, and those two things are absolutely compatible with keeping your family healthy and keeping your neighbors healthy and, and being responsible for the sick and the elderly and the the frail. Um, so I think the church can align those two things um, really clearly. But you know, if if that's muddying the waters too much, I think the church can encourage people to do their own research. The church can encourage people to trust in science. And 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 the fact of it is, is that we have a luxury right now. We we are in a luxurious position of questioning the efficacy of vaccines because vaccines have been so effective. Because we don't see disease anymore in the same way that we used to see disease 50 years ago. And that's because of vaccines. You know, how many people do you know that have died of measles or that have had children that have died of measles in the last year or died of whooping cough or died of polio? I mean, these were real concerns, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago. And for many communities, they're still real concerns. But the fact is that we don't have to worry about this anymore because of vaccines, because they work. Um, so I think one thing that the church can do is to encourage that kind of constructive, you know, research and, and understanding in what science has actually done for our, for our lives. That's so good, Shireen. Thank you. And, and thank you again for being on the show. Can you share a little bit about where people can connect with you guys online? And if they have more questions about your work, where they could find you? Sure. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Joey. Um, you can find us at gocommonthread.com. Uh, you'll find our website. And if you want to drop us a line, you can drop us a line at hello at gocommonthread.com. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at gocommonthread. Uh, so please follow us, like us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'll throw it all in the show notes. But again, Shireen, thank you for being on the show. Thanks so much, Joey. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And that wraps up this episode of The Dismantle. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, don't complain about the things you're not willing to change. Bye.